Hey there! Welcome to the More Than a Circle podcast from Storyly. This is where we discuss disruptive ideas that can unlock new channels, spark creativity, and inspire the mobile ecosystem. In every episode, Team Storyly will get together with industry and subject matter experts and key opinion leaders to explore new topics, share their insights and knowledge, and offer valuable advice and guidance to help listeners understand and stay ahead of the latest trends and developments in the industry. Whether you are a marketer, a developer, a designer, or simply someone interested in the future of mobile technology, this podcast is for you. So sit back, relax, and join us as we dive into more than a circle. Hello, everyone. Uh, thanks for tuning in. I'm Daniel Dinuncio, the VP of Sales at Storyly. Uh, today, I took over the microphone of the More Than a Circle podcast, and my guest is CEO and co-founder of e-commerce tech, Derek Haynes. Welcome, Derek. Thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Love talking live shopping. Great. Derek, we all know you as the tool guy uh, because you and your team are helping e-commerce businesses track and manage all of their suspend and tools, build their technology roadmap, and hold their tools accountable for their performance. So today we would like to talk about e-commerce tools that excite both of us and with a special focus today, it's shopper tenant. So I would like to deep dive into why e-commerce companies need to adapt to this new strategy and how they can reach their tech stack to make the best of this. Um, so let's start with the, the concept, shopper tenant. So the fun thing is, it looks like a new concept is not, has been around for many years since the 90s. Uh, it was widely adopted in physical store to drive uh, football, right? Um, but shopper payment, as we know and talk about today, refers to something a little bit different, more shoppable video segments. Um, because it's a dominant force, um, uh, we know that e-commerce will account for more and more of sales. And we are forecasting 47% of retail growth by 2027. Now, for the eastern part of the, of the world, this is a very, very extremely hot topic. Live selling industry, it's booming. Uh, last year, Boston Consulting Group published a report for TikTok about shopper payment, describing as the APAC trillion dollar opportunity. According to other reports, Australia, Indonesia, Japan, South Korea, Thailand, and Vietnam will drive significant value opportunities. And it's right here as well. Um, also, Western shoppers are seeking more engaging and entertainment shopping experience online. So here we go with the first question. What do you think about it all? What made it so appealing to consumers in today's e-commerce landscape? And do you see it becoming as popular in Western countries as much as in the APEC region? Yeah, and it doesn't doesn't have to be even as popular, perhaps, uh, from like, let's say, a percentage adoption rate. What we know for sure is that it's going to become more popular. And so uh, it definitely in the U.S. still seems like um, we're in a form of infancy when it comes to live shopping and shoppertainment. And let me address that right there. I call it live shopping. It can be called shoppertainment. Um, it, you could call it social selling in some cases. They're they're all the same. They're, it's you know blend blended influencer marketing. It could be called channel marketing. Even uh, there, there's a lot of kind of terms for the same thing. But really, I think what the meat of it generally is is if you are in real time 
portraying yourself on video to an audience and highlighting something around products, physical products in this case, that can be sold to them, right? So whether it's showing the, the features of it, whether you're putting the makeup on your face, whether you're talking with somebody about how cool it is or something like that, you know, it could be all the way from a talk show to a QVC style show kind of experience. Generally it's live, but that said, it could be that it was live and is then being restreamed as as a as a recording, so it doesn't even always have to be live. And is, so these are the kinds of things that I, I think about because each type of these experiences are slightly different. You might have slightly different tools. It might be on your site instead of on the channel. If it's on the channel, maybe you're do, using a DM to complete a transaction. If it's on the site, you might use a product detail page and so forth and so on. Um, in order to kind of uh, think about it, the I think perhaps the the interesting thing and maybe biggest difference about the term shoppertainment is the implied idea that it's entertaining maybe first and then closing sales second, which might mean that there are opportunities there to bring us a little bit further away from the product. Uh, I see a lot of those uh, when, when, when I think about the term live shopping, it generally does reflect more on a QVC style, like just showing product and selling product type experiences. But there's obvious value in blending both because people like to consume engaging, let's say TikTok style memes and content. They like YouTube how-to videos around things supporting their industry. It doesn't have to be selling a product all the time. And anytime you can capture attention, which is the number one thing all e-commerce brands are fighting over these days, uh, you, you can hold that attention and eventually get some sort of message around your product or solution in front of the consumer, which even if they don't buy today can trigger you know a purchase down the road. And so this is the um, this is how I think of the industry as a whole. When we look at you know more and more tools are entering this space uh, and solving for it. Storyly is a great example of of a, maybe a, a differentiated solution. We can talk maybe more about that later. Um, we we certainly see you know compared to um, what's going on in in Asia specifically China, we 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 see. A massive opportunity. You you hinted at some of the numbers there. Uh, E-commerce globally will be eight point one trillion dollars this year, with one point one trillion, so about one eighth of it, in the United States alone. Uh, and and live shopping, I think, has the opportunity to grow into this um, in, into the hundreds of billions and trillion dollar market nationally, just in the U.S. So um, so if you think about you know what whether uh, you know, where it's going to be, where the puck is, is going, you can think about how, um, how big the opportunity truly is. And so it absolutely is there. The other, but on the flip side of that, I want to emphasize why it hasn't been adopted perhaps so easily. Um, and again, I think you guys actually have a great solution to, to overcome this, but it's because <laughs> it's hard. It's because you need a real person. You need them to be live, bubbly, fun, right? It, it, it takes resource allocation, a good strategy. You can't. Um, it's also kind of like SEO or content marketing. If you write one blog post and expect it to rank number one for key term, no one's ever going to see it. But if you do it continuously over time, the audience grows. They get build a relationship with you, and so the results come um, through persistence, right? Uh, consistency, persistence, and and. And uh, and and brands are tend, all companies, I'd say, tend, tend to be slow to adopt strategies like that. That's why most, you know, so many companies lean on advertising because it has a very dollar in, dollar out type equation, as opposed to a I can't wait, you know, six months for this to pay off type mindset. So, um, so, so that, that this is a kind of a one of the biggest barriers. The second one is is that not all companies should do live shopping or shop retainment. 
Um, I think that it, most companies, it could be applied at some stage in their life cycle. But let's just say, in, uh, like I, I work with an early stage, or not early stage, a well-established uh, vacuum part cleaner brand. The, the way their business works is you look up a part number on the internet and they have it. There's practically no reason for them to be, you know, doing any form of shop retainment, right? But on the flip side, something like car auto parts could be great from a brand awareness standpoint. Even though you're not selling one specific thing, you could launch a, you know, um, looking at your customer's cars type thing, and then it could lead into selling certain types of things or even just broadly selling um, uh, on, on, on your site. Uh, which could be considered more of like a, maybe a video content play than true shop entertainment, but uh, but you could imagine how they they might tie together um, with, with actual closing of deals directly through the channel, right? So so um, so so you have to ask yourself a question as a brand: Am I ready for this? Am I ready to invest in it? Can I wait for the long term payoff? Um, what are the upfront costs and resources? Do I have the right budget? Do I have the right people? These are the kinds of questions that I think go into it. And when a brand, I've worked with hundreds of brands on, on similar things, when a brand starts asking these questions, they go, ah, I'll just put it off till next quarter. And that just happens over and over again. So this is why there is a reluctance of adoption of live shopping and shoppertainment right now. But uh, it, it, there's a consumer-driven demand for consumable content this way. And it's growing naturally because of the way that people consume TikTok videos, Instagram videos, and now YouTube shorts. And 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 the way that they have strong relationships with their brands and they are able to chat and comment on threads or DM the brand and have a real person contact them back. And so as those relationships change, the opportunity uh, becomes more and more demanded and the merchants not doing it are missing out uh, more and more. So so the barrier to getting started is is kind of getting lower and lower through both the use of technology and the higher demand from the consumer means the faster time to ROI from the brand standpoint. So this is how I think about it kind of generally. We're, we're really in the, so we're past the early, the bleeding edge, I would say. And now we're, we're moving into the larger early, maybe even the tail end of the early adopters into the early majority is where we are with this um, tool. And I actually continue this rant. I think about it a lot like live chat on websites, even though it's not as maybe sex, the live chat isn't as sexy as a channel. You know what I mean? But Live chat was relatively slowly adopted because it was kind of hard to implement. There were a lot of costs. You needed to be there in real time to talk to people and stuff like that. But it's proven to increase conversion rate and be very successful as a pre-sales channel and not just customer service, but to, to answer questions ahead of time, even sometimes booking calls with people and, and closing deals with like phone sales and stuff. Live chat is there. So I think about this as the same adoption, whereas um, I was ranting about live chat in 2018, if you can imagine. Wow, I'm getting yeah. old here. And uh, and, and it was uh, we saw that about 7% of brands were doing it right. The number has increased to like 30 or 40%. Still not 100% of brands are really nailing it, but it's gotten better and better. I think we're at the 7% of brands are using li live shopping and, and shop retainment strategies today. And I think in five years, it'll be well over 50 um yeah so all right that's end rant definitely <laughs> definitely you are uh you know convinced of the uh, power of shoppertainment uh which is great we are as well as you know we have a, a kind of like different take on this uh you were uh obviously underlining the fact that uh, it's very costly um of course put together live and require a lot of lot of investments 
also in terms of like human investments, right? You need people there. They need to be always bubbly, as you say, and smiling and doing this. Uh, and it's a very long-term strategy. Uh, but definitely we both see the uh, the value of having shop retainment. And in our case, we play uh, shop retainment as, uh, you know, a TikTok style uh, rather than a full uh, live where you have, you know, short shoppable uh, videos where we see, you know, a much more uh, easier to adopt curve, uh, right? Um, and also easier to put together if you want. And also because it has to be not super complicated um, in terms of how we put this together in order to facilitate brands to uh, to, use, to use that. Now, obviously, we are both convinced that we need the right tool <laughs> um, because you need to build this um, this strategy of um, uh, short, short retainment, right? It has to be uh, fun. It has to be interactive. It has to be personalized. Uh, your content has to be more interactive. What I found out that, uh, I, I don't know if you agree with me, but uh, there's a lot of websites that are like beautiful design, but they're really uh, uh, plain. Um, yep. Like they are monodimensional, right? Um, so You don't know what they sell of- and you've been on the site for two minutes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> or it's like, how are they different um, than any other beauty brand? Right. It could be the example as well. Yeah. So let's uh, let's try to, uh, you know, talk about, uh, you know, uh, the tools a little bit since uh, you are the right person uh, for that. Right. So how we deliver the shopper team and experience if through live or uh, as in our case, in short a video, um, uh, it's really important. Right. Um, it has to be. Uh, flawless. It has to be, uh, you know, full screen. It has to be highly interactive. So um, e-commerce uh, business as of today, they rely a lot on just social media um, as, as a channel, right? Um, they, uh, they're they using uh, an external channel for that. They're not using their own uh, channels. Um, so uh, for example, uh, Meta uh, did tried live shopping and then back off for, from it. Um, and uh, very recently, we heard Instagram uh, announcing that they were removing the shopping tab. Um, so announcing that they were planning to drastically scale back their shopping features. I didn't know that. And shift the focus of its e-commerce effort. Uh, to those that directly drive advertising, right? So, um, meaning that we are focusing on advertisement rather than than uh, than uh, shopping. And but at the end of the day, the truth is, social media is a shot in the dark in in our opinion, right? Meaning it's it's an important acquisition channel for sure, but it's not personal. It's not personalizable. Um, so, uh, and if they want to just switch it the 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 switch right off, and you're out of it, uh, right? Um, you never know which platform will continue to offer. You know. Uh, the um, the tools and the engagement that you are expecting, and you, you, there's a lot of new trends, and TikTok came, and so you need you know to switch your effort on TikTok and etc. And and also um, we found that uh, you know uh, we have seen a lot of survey around about Gen Z, right? Now it's all about how if it's my target, how I can sell to Gen Z. Um, so we got this data from SurveyMonkey, for example, 51% of Gen Z um, say that they visit brand websites when they get the new ideas. So they get an inspiration from social media 
but they do not convert on social media. They, 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 wow. they, they For, that means 49% are converting on social media. So, yeah. or in theory, I don't know, or, or aren't converting on, on either. So I mean, forty nine percent. So half of them maybe are just on social media and go to the brand website. Um, but the problem that we find is like all these people they go on your website expecting um, to uh, see something similar, right? To be to keep this person going and to keep uh, the engagement going. Um, so what we really believe is you have to invest in your own platform as you do uh, believe as well, right? With the right tools. Um, and uh, tell us how, uh, you know, e-commerce can uh, reach or boost their tech stocks uh, to make uh, the best out of shop payment and what formats and what tech uh, you've seen coming very strong and um, uh, obviously, I have uh, you know story in mind, but <laughs> I want to hear from you first, from your experience and from your knowledge up to now. Yeah, there. So the and and yeah, I think I agree that like uh, the fifteen second shorts are great engagement strategy, maybe at the at one end of the spectrum. But you also are going to have long form video content, how to videos, or an hour long live shopping show. On the high end of the of, of the spectrum, and I think the the whole spectrum needs to be analyzed entirely, even if you know your solution in this case only solves for uh, part of it, right? Mm -hmm. um, and then secondly, I, I I've heard the argument before: you don't own the channel, yada yada. But the bottom line is that a lot of brands make money on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, Reddit, uh, LinkedIn, Twitter, right? The, there is there's money to be had on on channel Snapchat. Uh, so, so we have um, we we have the ability to rent our audience, own their attention, and and capitalize in revenue in the short term. But at the end of the day, the goal of all of those channel marketing activities is to convert to a owned customer experience where we have the contact information and the ability to follow up through email, SMS, WhatsApp, live chat, uh, direct mail, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So we don't ever just want to, uh, I wouldn't recommend building an entire business on a solo channel strategy. And when you see, for instance, you go to sell an e-commerce brand, you'll see that they'll get uh, significantly devalued if, for instance, the only successful channel they have is Facebook ads, right? So, so a channel diversification strategy is really important to the valuation of a company, uh, as I can tell you where I just found out how dangerous having all of your banking with uh, Silicon Valley Bank can be because we, we got hit by that. Uh, and a lot of other people got really uh, surprised, you know, and so differentiating your your banking strategy is the same uh, to, to make sure your finances don't get locked up in the event that a company randomly goes bankrupt uh, is the same as differentiating your channel marketing strategy um, in order to ensure that your, your customer acquisition sources don't dry up under a, a drastic change. So I think it's important to acknowledge that, um, that the channels are there and create tons of value while understanding that that value is specifically in the reward of an owned customer. Uh, so we're, we're renting the channel, but we create a pool of people who will eventually come to either our site or even through a direct on-channel uh, sale strategy. 
Um, like it sounds about 50, 50. I don't think that's the actual numbers. I think more probably 80% are still coming to the site. So of course, very important to have um, flawless on-site experience, right? Uh, but but making sure that that owned experience happens and then probably actually in the long run, let's say they convert on-channel, sending them back to the website is where, gonna be where you prefer the next engagement, the next sale to close, um, most likely. And so having, um, so knowing, uh, so, so I think, you know, as we start to talk about the tools here, we should acknowledge that our customer can be buying from us in both places. And then we should think about if they bought from us on our website, and so maybe they engaged with your solution, right? Can we track that as a long-term metric? And then when we send them back to the site, send them more towards a, uh, a, a Instagram style story style experience versus maybe there are a certain type of consumer that prefer a standard boring product detail page, right? So we might segment out that. I don't think that's actually true. I think pretty much always the conversion rate is going to up there. But then uh, the people that experience the on-channel for, um, it, you know, and and maybe checked out all the way on in an Instagram DM message or or uh, Instagram shop was removed from the homepage, but it still exists is what I found out. So it's, it's it was just deprioritized from taking up space on, on the mm -hmm. homepage screen, which is interesting, but it um, it doesn't mean that you can't still buy there. Uh, so if somebody buys there and you want the, the next experience should almost absolutely be uh, on the website, but in a very similar buying experience, right? So duplicating that, but in your own way, um, especially because um, you hinted at it, things like segmentation, personalization are going to be really important to improving the customer experience. And since you've got clear data points on what they bought in the past, when they bought it, where they live, right? There's lots of opportunities to make that me next message to them uh, much more targeted and applicable and therefore uh, significantly increase conversion rate. So we need a tool that can track this data from uh, from channel sales to uh, to on-site sales and how the customer, each customer journey is engaging there. And this has to tie deeply into a full-fledged marketing automation platform so that we can create segments, personalization rules and stuff like that, right? And so you, you want all of these things working in conjunction and you want to make sure that if you're uh, if you are deciding to do on-channel sales that you're not losing uh, this part of the customer journey. That would be that would be a good reason to only do on-site sales if you were losing a lot of that uh, journey, just so that you could ensure that the data is clean and that you're really owning the customer relationship. On the flip side, um, as they go through the on-site customer experience, understanding what they engaged with is important. So, um, so, so what they what they purchased, what they browsed, what they didn't purchase is sometimes also very important. Um, where the conversion moments may have occurred, let's say mentally, uh, as opposed to, you know, uh, what product detail pages. So what piece of contents that they maybe like comment or engage on, uh, because there is like an on-site browsing experience. Did they consume live chat or not? These are other, you know, data points. And I, and I do think, um, live chat is a really nice, I hinted at it earlier, but really nice follow-up to engaging on-site content because it might leave people with questions and then they might want to, uh, to close that with, um, with an experience. So, so some live chat tools, personalization segmentation that goes across all channels as well as on-site, uh, are, are kind of that. I don't, I don't think I need to name any specific tool that it's the categories that matter, not the individual tools mm -hmm. that are going to drive decision-making. Um, and then that, that's what, will ultimately create a cohesive stack. And there could also be, you might want to tie these back into your advertising strategy. So some ad tech tools. I've seen a few great channel marketing ones. One comes to mind, Reaction uh, with a K. 
I think Prescient AI and a few other tools that'll push some of this data back to channels and create segments and lists so that your, your on-channel advertising is working really well. So, um, so, so that, that I think creates a cohesive, uh, strategy. What's the only other thing I can think of, um, that's important. I'm pretty sure built into your tool. It's making sure you connect any sort of on, oh, analytics. So yeah. Um, and I was going to, so I was going to say connect the on-store video experience with the on-store shopping experience, which means having the ability to click through and purchase directly from any consumable content on the site. Uh, and then secondly, the analytics behind that so that you can um, see everything. This can be done in tool, but it'll eventually want to build all, build, come all the way out to, um, to in-platform, I would say, so that it, um, so, so that um, you can see it across email, SMS, and other tools. And so you can get more of a cohesive customer journey than any one, you know, than an on-site experience, than a single tool experience, um, and so forth. So. Yeah, that's great. So uh, EdTech, marketing automation, everything has to be cohesive, analytics. Um, and, uh, you know, we talk about various aspects. Obviously, it's always meeting uh, where the customer wants to buy and how the, your customer wants to buy, which can be um, obviously different. Uh, one thing that, um, uh, you know, we uh, like uh, to do and to help uh, brands with, um, it's making their uh, content more uh, interactive um, through like also a little bit about, you know, gamification, right? Which is very close to be entertained, right? So we Give me some that. examples. Yep. Yeah, give 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 me an example so that I, I really want to make sure I know exactly what the yeah the yeah uh, basically you know obviously uh, you know the 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 idea here is to um, making their experience uh, more interesting based on for example quizzes reaction emoji something that we do usually on uh, Instagram if uh, our thought was okay why we don't bring the same interactivity the same experience and the same fun um, inside my website, right? Reaction emoji are such an important uh, tool if you think about it, right? Because it's very natural. I'm reacting to something that you are proposing to me so I can ultimately, uh, you know, collect those data uh, that we call zero-party data, right? So the data that uh, my user is willingly sharing um, uh, by answering those questions and by interacting with my brand. And then I can help my marketing automation to segment better because I have a better and fresh data, uh, right? So uh, especially Gen Z, right? Uh, they they like to interact very quickly, tap on their phone, um, and they like uh, this gamification aspect. Obviously, you were mentioning before, if I had to send sell parts of vacuum cleaner, that doesn't make sense. But if I'm beauty brand. Uh, totally right react to this brand to this uh look uh, makes total sense uh right or you know answer these questions let's test your knowledge about i don't know 1970s trends in in beauty uh something like fun interactive i i i uh, get to know more you and a user you get to more me as as a brand uh right? i think there are that's the two types of things there because there, there is the quiz that just drives engagement uh, but doesn't necessarily have a ton of value from us from a data collection standpoint. Then there's the quiz that like in beauty is very common. What's your skin tone? What's your hair color? What's your eye color? And that helps uh, with, with segmentation and, and selling strategy. And, and both are good. 
but you want to you want to make sure you know which one you're doing because one is a little bit more top of funnel right we're just we're just going to have fun with it and engage them but in both cases you're absolutely correct that every form of interactivity uh when they make that action they're making a micro commitment to your brand which is great because uh that that increases the likelihood of, of purchase uh both it's both correlation and causation meaning the people who are more likely to engage with you are more likely to purchase before they've engaged right so but the people um but by making that engagement that increases their likelihood to purchase as well um so yeah, yeah I, I love that that's exactly how uh we are here right why why we are here as as a brand is to to uh you know to uh, increase this interaction and hence the likelihood to uh to purchase from user i, I want to uh ask um also what's what's your thing combining different channels um i give you an example right we are very uh excited about combining emails and the stories how we do that, uh, you know, we send an email to a customer instead of landing on a specific uh, page or my website or on a long blog post, I, I land into a story, uh, which is like, you know, a series of clips or videos or whatever to keep the engagement high and then ultimately convert. Uh, what's your thing of combining different channels? And uh, uh, a personal question, because there's a long debate about SMS. Um, and we're an international team. And for example, our friends in, in Europe and Asia, they really look at us like crazy SMS. <laughs> what's this? But it's an extreme uh, strong channel uh, here in the US. So what's uh, what's your take also on that? Yeah. Or sometimes SMS could just be called WhatsApp, right? So like, then it's, this, it's about the same thing. Whatever uh, that, that channel is, sometimes it's even Facebook Messenger. But um, the 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 first thing, I mean, it's it's about conversion rate. I don't cons I don't I wouldn't call this combining channels. I think that's uh, I, I don't think that's what's really going on. You're simply uh, using one channel to drive to another. And the theory here is that sending a thirty percent off discount code to your audience and sending them to a product detail page will convert that'll make us ten thousand dollars or you know convert three percent of our customers and sending them to five stories with the same 30 percent offer at the very end of those st stories would convert at you know fifteen thousand dollars or four percent or something like that right um mm -hmm. so so there, there's that's the that's the hypothesis. There is no reason for me to tell you which one is going to convert better. You should be able to figure it out on your own. It does uh, stand to reckon that most of the time a better engaged strategy will win, but it's it's a little bit different. If, if um, for instance, uh, we did a massive beauty, when I was in a beauty subscription, we did a massive drop where we basically sold out a product in, in, um, in like 15 minutes, a million dollars of product sold. Right. Wow. And there was no reason to block that with content in front of it. Right. Everyone was already sold through uh, pre-engagements. It was a huge waiting list, all these types of things. Right. So so that's that's the moment where we don't need uh, to 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 convince them to buy. They're so mm -hmm. ready. Right. They're at the 99 percent mark. And truth be told, our inventory is going to run out. So we um, so so it, it, there's no more need to drive demand. So other strategies need to be actually put in place to manage those issues there. But um, but but on the that's that's very rarely the case, right? Most of the time you're still warming people up to buy. Maybe they abandon cart and you're trying to get them back, right? There's a whole bunch. You what you're what all you're doing here is overcoming objections, uh, right? So the objections are don't need it, not right now, uh, you know, not important to me. Those are like the big ones, but each of them have small things. I'm worried if it'll fit me. It doesn't have my color. Um, 
this is more for this person than me, which is, and, and sometimes it really isn't a fit. So you'll never actually close a sale, which is totally fine, but you should be, um, you know, the job of, of the marketer is to overcome each of those objections. And if the person is truly the right person for the product and they have the time and budget and so forth and so on, then they should be, they should absolutely be buying from you. They're, they're going to get more value by buying this from you than not. And so that the the video content in general is just a very easy way to uh, overcome those objections because uh, because you can study how people are responding, make adjustments to the video content really easily, right? Especially in a platform like yours, really short, uh, quick adjustments. It's not about um, uh, you can address the size issue, uh, you know, or you can issue, you can talk about your shipping and refund policies. You can, you know, you can, and you can figure that out that you should be talking about those things by listening to your customers and by iterating and testing in, in, uh, in lots of different ways. So the, the long, the short answer of it is um, you, you should be able to figure out the answer yourself. You should absolutely be considering all modes of increasing conversion rate. Um, and it, and it's all going to be centered around objection handling, how you do it. The medium is, uh, you know, is just about the preferred method of, of that consumption from, from whoever your consumer is. And that generally is going to be video, especially if it's Gen Z and it's 2023, <laughs> right? Great. So, uh, that's, that was great. Um, this brings me to, uh, you know, the final, uh, question, um, and, uh, you know, I like to close this with a little bit of a prediction, um, obviously, you know, you're heavily involved in, in, in the commerce. So you already dropped a, a, a prediction, like at the beginning, right? Um, yeah. a little bit five years ahead, we will have a lot of, uh, uh live and, and video content, but how do you see uh, the future of e-commerce playing the next, uh, you know, I would say three to five years, um, how do you see shoppertainment uh, in the in this in this picture, and how do you see uh, you know the taste of consumer uh, you know changing where where they're going? Yeah, I mean, I think more and more websites are going to look like social media. Uh, social media is looking a little bit more like websites as we talk about like some shop functionality and the ability to purchase. Uh, and when I say websites, I really mean e-commerce stores, but I think e-commerce stores are, are adopting the, the strategy because it's um, where consumers are spending the majority of their time. So the user experience is, uh, is more seamless. So we, we should absolutely expect that to continue. Uh, videos will be easier to make the ability to launch, you know, I talked about more live shopping, let's say at the beginning, these things are going to be easier to do. They're going to be so easy to do that. It's really scary. I, I talked just now about testing, right? T testing one video versus another or testing uh, whether you should do video versus sending to a product detail page, testing what percent off you should give. All these things will actually be fully automated in the future. So you don't even need smart marketers to get it done. The AI will be able to figure out what should be tested. All you have to do is approve it. And then in the future, beyond, slightly beyond that, you don't even have to approve it. You'll just trust the AI enough to run basically a majority of these functions in your business for you. All the way from predicting uh, inventory demand to uh, ordering. So, you know, from your supply chain, uh, purchase invoices to managing your finances and de-risking you there, to fraud prevention, to on-site conversion rate with hyper-personalized stories, right? When you don't need me to go live or create the video asset, the AI can create the AI character and the AI storyline better and faster. It can be completely personalized to the individual. You now have a personal shopping assist assistant walking you across the website. 
um, we don't have to hire designers as much anymore because it'll all, it'll it'll all just be done uh, automatically, right? So there's all sorts of really really fun things that are occurring at the intersection of AI and creativity, um, where the those paying attention will um, scale a you you'll you'll be able to scale a fifty million dollar e-commerce brand with five people instead of fifty people. I think it's you know maybe about fifty to hundred people if you're at the fifty million dollar mark. Exclude and and even the the fulfillment and operation side will will turn into robots as well. So you'll have less humans needed to accomplish the same amount of work. It's a it's a huge amount of displacement, but there's also a ton of efficiency gain. So it's not just about displacing workers so much as getting the job done more efficiently through a base, I mean, really basic model, like what, what am I doing when I'm split testing something, right? I'm looking at what these convert at, and then I'm deciding to go with the one that converted more. And I might mentally get a picture of why it converted more. Oh, it handled, you know, shipping and, and return objections better, right? And that those are called meta tags. And so the AI can actually see uh, and understand what that is and then create more content around that. Now, the, the early stage limitations will be coming up with creative new strategies or, or you know, testing entire new product line launches or, or differentiating, um, you know, you know the, the new, new things that, that can't really be tested. But even in the distant future, the, those types of new news will, you know, the, are, are testable. So there's, there's nothing that can't be touched by technology. Uh, no, no job is truly safe. It's just a timeline to displacing it. Um, you know, into the, I don't know, 10 plus year future. Uh, but long story short, the short term future and where we're at really exciting times and the ability to scale has never been easier, which has been democratized, meaning like, um, like, I mean, just like a tool like yours couldn't, uh, didn't exist five years ago. So it took me a whole team of creatives and like, you know, a massive budget in order to accomplish the same thing. All right. So, so this is what we, we have to think of everyone, but, um, because everyone can do it, increase competition, which is another reason why the brand connection, those micro engagements and interactivity become super, super important because, uh, retaining your customers is going to be ultimately where you win. Uh, and and it's getting harder to keep their attention and keeping their attention is going to be how you retain them. So, all right, so that's the general rant on where it's all heading. <laughs> no, that's, uh, that's awesome. There's a lot of part that I definitely, uh, I agree with you, uh, Derek. Uh, it's, it's definitely a very exciting time and it's uh, very democratic right, right now. Everybody with uh, a little budget, uh, can really accomplish things that was unimaginable like 10 years ago. So definitely, definitely very exciting moment. All right, Derek, thank you very much uh, for joining us today. Uh, it was a great conversation uh, as expected. I, I'm pretty sure that now story we kind of become part of your uh, tech <laughs> in consideration as, as a stack. I hope we will do more uh, in the near future. And listeners, I hope you enjoyed as much as I did uh, for new episode of the More Than a Circle. Don't forget to subscribe. New episodes are on their way and have a great day. Thank you.